Welcome to At Home and Abroad with Harrison Walker. Join us each week as we explore the far reaches of the globe in search of unique characters and stories to share. Reach beyond your front door as we uncover new perspectives, intriguing ideas, and lessons learned over time. Let's jump in. Being alone and the feeling of loneliness can be very different experiences. Being on one's own can sometimes be coveted and desired, bringing solace and peace, but loneliness can be felt even in the company of others. Loneliness is a lack of integration, a sense of disconnection from the social fabric. It's a feeling of isolation, which has worryingly become an epidemic in today's society. Join us today as our guest Dragana Churovich reveals an innovative housing development in Helsingborg, Sweden that combats loneliness. So let's explore together the answer to the question the famous five posited all those years ago. All the lonely people, where do they all come from? Did you know that experiencing loneliness can translate into health risks that are equivalent to smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day? Wow. Yeah, loneliness is also connected with an almost 30% increased risk of premature death and a greater chance of dying from heart disease and stroke. Those who experience isolation are also at an increased risk of depression, anxiety, and dementia. That's truly staggering, Walker. It is. It is. Not surprisingly, though, loneliness is making the headlines. Mm -hmm. Loneliness was discussed often during and post-pandemic, but it is something that most of us have experienced in our lives at one time or another. Right. As reported by the Associated Press, Dr. Vivek Murthy the U.S. Surgeon General states that we now know that loneliness is a common feeling that many people experience. It's like hunger or thirst. It's a feeling the body sends us when something we need for survival is missing. Wow, that's an interesting perspective on it. It is. Loneliness has been a growing concern, particularly during the 21st century, as larger family units have become less common, people are delaying starting a family, and more people are living alone. Mm-hmm. According to Amanda Seitz for the Associated Press, research shows that Americans who have become less engaged with worship houses, community organizations, and even their own family members in recent decades have steadily reported an increase in feelings of loneliness. The number of single households has also doubled over the last 60 years. Yeah. So if we look at the last three years, coping with the isolation forced upon us by the pandemic, this really was just compounding a very serious problem that already existed in today's society. Yes, it seems so. It has grown to be such a problem in the UK that Joe Cox, an MP, set up a cross-party loneliness commission. She was tragically murdered in 2016, but since then, her work has been carried forward by the Joe Cox Commission on Loneliness. This commission, Harris, seeks to combat loneliness, which is a real crisis in the UK. Recent studies indicate that in the UK, more than 9 million adults are often or always lonely. Wow. So not time to time, like I said, right. often or always lonely. Exactly. And in the US, one in three Americans over 45 are said to be chronically lonely. I am just shocked by how prevalent a problem this is. Yeah. And, and yet, the point has to be made that not everyone who lives alone is lonely. Right. And that people can live with others and still experience loneliness. Mm -hmm. Mind, a mental health resource in the UK explains, you may have lots of social contact or be in a relationship or part of a family and still feel lonely. 
especially if you don't feel understood or cared for by people around you. Right, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. According to Dr. Courtney McAllister for the Mayo Clinic, loneliness is often described as the painful feeling when there is a mismatch or a gap between the number and quality of relationships that we have and what we would like. Loneliness is a common emotion and it can come and go or be persistent. Hmm. Now, did you know that there are different types of loneliness? No, I didn't. Yeah, there are in fact a few types, emotional, social, collective, and existential. The Mayo Clinic defines emotional loneliness as loneliness that occurs when we want a more intimate or deeper relationship with others. Mm -hmm. Social loneliness is defined as when someone is missing a wider social network. Okay. When a person feels as if they aren't being valued by the broader community, they might be experiencing collective loneliness. Mm -hmm. And finally, existential loneliness is when someone feels as if life lacks meaning or purpose. Right. It's really a much more complex and pervasive issue than I had originally thought and it impacts so many more people than I had thought too. Well, the U.S. Surgeon General actually issued an advisory that in his words was intended to pull back the curtain on a struggle that too many people are experiencing and that millions of people are struggling in the shadows. Wow. Before we started looking into this topic, Harris, I thought I knew what loneliness was, but I quickly discovered that it can involve a whole bunch of different emotions mm-hmm. such as sadness, grief, anger, fear, anxiety, and even shame. Shame. Shame is such a devastating emotion. Right. And so many people are suffering in silence. Mm -hmm. They really are. They're uncomfortable admitting their loneliness and avoid talking about it. Loneliness has even been referred to as a silent plague. Wow. So how can one access help if no one wants to talk about it? Well, it's tough. It's really tough. Many people are embarrassed by the fact that they're lonely and don't want to let people know that they're feeling this way. Yeah. People are concerned that it may be perceived as a weakness. Right, right. There's a social stigma associated with being a lonely person, isn't there? There is. Some people with broad social networks sometimes might avoid a lonely person because there is almost this unconscious fear that the person will affect them socially in a negative way, almost as if, you know, they're contagious. I heard that term being used when I was doing some reading. Yeah, I've actually seen this behavior, particularly among people who are socially insecure and are craving being included into a larger group. Mm -hmm. They shy away from individuals who might be perceived as being lonely as if it might have a negative impact on their ability to be included into this larger social group. Right. Have you ever experienced loneliness, Harris? Yeah, here and there, but not very frequently, fortunately. I can remember, though, being very lonely after a relationship fell apart when I was in university, but it often does accompany grief and loss, doesn't it, Walker? What about you? Uh, From time to time, I I, I don't think chronically. A few times that stand out in my mind when I was young, I didn't have a lot of friends. I was shyer, as I've mentioned in the past. Mm -hmm. So there were times when... I wish I had a bigger social circle. Right. Um, when I moved away to a new city for grad school, I didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a very lonely time. A lot of tears. Yeah. Um, and when I was conducting my doctoral research as well, apparently loneliness is something that doctoral students experience quite often. They're studying an area of study that's very narrow 
and very few people, if anyone, can relate to. It's original research, so very few people will be understanding because you're, you know, you're pushing so the topic forward. Right. I do know people, though, who have and continue to experience chronic loneliness that really isn't situation-specific. So that's interesting. Do you think there's a link between loneliness and mental illness? Well, according to Mental Health America, loneliness may be a response to a mental health condition, or it could be the trigger that initiates a mental health condition. Right. MHA notes that unfortunately, it can be a self-perpetuating cycle with symptoms that limit connections and support, which leads to the loss of those supports as protective factors, which may increase symptoms and so on. Right. I can see that. Anyone experiencing loneliness should really consider speaking to their doctor or maybe their therapist. The more support you can access, I think the better. Absolutely. So how about our senior population? It has to be an issue for them. Loneliness can really be experienced at any age, but is definitely an issue for the elderly as we can become more socially isolated as we age. More recently, however, younger people, particularly teens and young adults aged 15 to 24, have been significantly struggling with loneliness, Harris. Mm. In fact, the suicide rate of young adults aged 15 to 24 has tripled since the 1950s, which might be an indication of this struggle. I imagine it is, and that's just a tragic statistic. I have heard too that it's been discovered that teen girls are experiencing more sadness than ever before as well. Yes, the CDC says that one in four teenage girls in the U.S. are struggling with what they call high levels of sadness, violence, and trauma, and nearly three in five teen girls are feeling persistent sadness and hopelessness, which is double the rate of boys, and this is a big increase over time. Yeah, what is contributing to this sadness in our young girls? Well, this is fairly recent information, and according to Dr. Sharon Hoover, the co-director of the National Center for School Mental Health and professor of psychiatry at the University of Maryland School of Medicine, she says that there are hypotheses that girls and boys appear to have experienced the pandemic differently. Okay. It's thought that perhaps girls were more socially isolated during the pandemic, and that girls depend on their peers more for confidence, self-esteem, and their general well-being than boys. Mm. They have been more likely to have spent excessive time on social media, making them more susceptible to things like anxiety, depression, and feelings of low self-esteem and unworthiness, all of which contribute to feelings of isolation and loneliness. It's so sad and so terrible. So is this a global issue, Walker, or is this just here in North America and the UK? It's a global issue. For example... In Sweden, loneliness has been an issue that the country has been struggling with for years. Mm. And according to the Red Cross, 40% of Swedes feel or live in a life of solitude. Wow, 40%. That is a good proportion of the population. So why? Well, it's interesting. It's well explained in the documentary by Eric Gandini called The Swedish Theory of Love. In a pre-pandemic interview with John David Ritz, the director believes that the high levels of loneliness in Sweden could be a result of the commonly held belief that no adult should be financially dependent on their relatives. He says, we created a society where no old person should have to live with their children and no young person should have to live with their parents after the age of 18. He also refers to a sociologist named Zygmunt Bauman in the film who identifies their independence as having stripped them 
of their ability to socialize. Really? Wow. I know. Apparently, young people begin living on their own earlier in Sweden than anywhere else in Europe, leaving their family home. It is also very common that people age in place, which I didn't know, so many elderly people live alone. This all contributes to this high rate of loneliness. Well, it's not that different here in Canada, is it? Extended families living together is not really as common as it once was, perhaps in the early 20th century. Right. The Swedish government takes this issue of loneliness seriously, though, and is taking steps to develop a national strategy for dealing with what they refer to as involuntary loneliness. Mm. According to a recent survey, one in four people over 16 is experiencing involuntary loneliness in Sweden. One in three people between 16 and 29 are lonely and isolated, and a whopping 40% of people 85 years and older, the majority being women, are experiencing loneliness. Wow. Increasingly, twice as many men as women, 16 to 44, report that they have no one to confide in. The Swedish government is hoping that within a year that they'll have the data needed to create a national strategy to tackle the loneliness problem. Well, our next guest has actually done something about this issue. We're really excited to talk to her. She's been involved in a very exciting project in Sweden that addresses this loneliness dilemma head on. We are happy to introduce Dragana Churevich, the project manager of the innovative housing development Salbo in Helsingborg, Sweden, that encourages integration and combats loneliness. Welcome to At Home and Abroad, Dragana. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Could you describe for us what the name Salvo means and how it applies to this wonderfully integrated housing project? Well, Salvo is actually a combination of two words uh, here in Swedish, uh, which uh, is Selskaps and Boende. Selskap is companionship uh, and Boende is living. So it's uh, a companionship living, actually. Oh, fantastic. So that relates to the integration piece. That relates to the, to the idea of socialization as a ground for integration and combating loneliness and unsafeness between the target groups that we have in the house. I would like to ask you, if you feel comfortable, has your personal experience in any way shaped how you came to developing this housing project at Salvo? In a way, uh, not totally, but in a way, uh, of course, uh, we are <laughs> what we are. <laughs> so you have your luggage with you. Uh, I came to Sweden 40 years ago, and uh, I was also very young uh, and uh, very alone. I came without family. I was just 20 years old. So uh, it was very lonely to be, although I came to marry my husband, it wasn't the same thing as being with your family, with your friends. You know how it is when you don't know, you don't speak the language, you can't be yourself because when you don't speak the language, people think that you're dumb because you can't mm-hmm. express yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a very awkward situation uh, and uh, you can be very lonely, although you have people around you uh, because uh, you, you haven't found yourself. So, right. yes, in that way, it was the reason. But the, actually, I'm working with integration and inclusion in society and Selbu is uh, a combination of the needs that we have uh, uh, discovered and that I have discovered in my work. Uh, so... 
it wasn't just my background, but my background helped. Right. It gave you a little bit of insight exactly. into, into these specific populations that you're bringing together at Salvo. Especially the situation of loneliness uh, um, by right. being in a country. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's very isolating when you don't speak the language and you don't understand the, the customs of the culture that you now find yourself. And if you are alone or even if you're with your family if everybody's in the same boat it's very hard when you're isolated in this way exactly loneliness i think has become an epidemic in the world in general maybe particularly because of the pandemic we've all just shared so how is community and integration encouraged among the residents living in salvo and maybe you could talk a little bit too about the people who are actually living there well, the integration and the combating of loneliness is encouraged by, uh, in order to get an apartment in Selbo, you have to sign the contract that you will socialize with your neighbors at least two hours a week. I uh, love this it. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah, I love it too, but it uh, actually doesn't have weight uh, in the legislation. So we are very aware of uh, that we can't uh, we can't throw out people if they don't socialize. Uh, right. And they know that also because uh, we are actually very transparent in that. Uh, but it was a carrot uh, in a way. You know, when you are mixing people, as we did, um, we have... In the first place, we have three target groups uh, in the house. Uh, the one is 70 plus uh, mm-hmm. people, elderly people. And the other two are both young people between the age of 18 and 25. But mm-hmm. half of them are unaccompanied refugee children who got uh, adults <laughs> during some years uh, in Sweden. And the other is well-established uh, youngsters. Uh, okay. They don't have to be necessary uh, with Swedish background, but they have to have families, be established in society, uh, speak language, uh, have uh, friends, and, and you know, everything with, that's go, uh, we've done. As we took those three target groups, uh, it wasn't uh, possible to, to follow the usual policies uh, that we have in our company, uh, which means that you have to stay in queue. And for every day that you stay in queue, you got a point. Uh, but as we wanted to choose those three uh, target groups, it was difficult to, to be the one with the points because those who has most points get their, their apartment. Mm-hmm. So we, we got the possibility to make a project to choose uh, those people. And as we got the possibility to choose we said, why not notch it up a little bit more? So actually, it's not only those three target groups. It's every person in the house. And for the moment, there are 60 persons in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, is different from the other person in the house. In uh, When we speak of uh, personality, in interests, uh, uh, background, education, social economic background, values. Very important that they have different values because if you have the same values, you don't have to integrate in the same way. Yes, in a little bit, uh, in, in, in a sort of integration, but it's not the full integration. And of course, uh, sexual uh, priorities and things like that. Uh, so we try to find so different people. That's the uniqueness uh, of Selbu, actually, that uh, instead of uh, building a 
co-living where they are homogenic, where mm-hmm. they, we know that they will get along. We try to show that uh, even if you're totally different, even with you, if you live with people that you would never actually expect to talk to, you can find it very interesting and very giving. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the, the point. Uh, so in order to do that, uh, we knew that uh, as they are very different, uh, uh, there will always be people who are very extrovert, uh, who will take uh, all the time, all the place. And uh, the introvert ones uh, that we also have chosen uh, to the house uh, will lay back a little bit uh, and maybe right. not do the, 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 the socialization. So we put in this, this expectation <laughs> that, uh, that they have to socialize at least two hours. And although it's uh, not legit, it's not uh, it's not uh, uh, something that uh, we can do about. Uh, people are very decent, so when they sign, they try to, to fulfill what they have signed for. And mm-hmm. uh, it showed uh, now, after three and a half years, that uh, it was uh, a good thing to do because even those who were most shy have actually tried and did the socialization by themselves without Mm. uh, uh, us needing to push it uh, or in a way to draw them out from the apartments. Uh, They are equally socializing with all the other. So it was a good carrot. (laughs) That's remarkable and definitely addresses loneliness, particularly for those people who are more introverted. That's going to be much more of a challenge for them to socialize. So it is, as you say, a carrot. I have to say, I was super excited when I came across this housing project online. I'm just wondering, Dragana, if you can explain the lived experience of the residents in Salvo. For instance, has the living arrangement improved the lives of both the elderly residents and newcomers to Sweden? And in what way? Now, Salvo, it's not anymore a project. It's, right. uh, it's part of our uh, ordinary organization. And what we have not noticed uh, by those uh, three and a half years, it's that the the elderly people, they feel very lonely, although they have families, children and grandchildren. And this loneliness um, made them also feeling very isolated from society, although they are Swedish people born and raised in Sweden. So it was a very strange and very big surprise for us to to identify this loneliness feeling, but most of all, this social exclusion that they were experiencing. So um, that was one of the things that made us uh, choose this uh, group. And the other group, uh, which was very important, was those youngsters, refugee, uh, unaccompanied, uh, who came to Sweden when they were minors, who have maybe traveled a lot around in Europe or even in the Middle East before coming to Sweden, and had the Uh, an experience of not knowing what will happen with them, if they can stay or not. Uh, You know, it's a very, uh, very strange experience and they haven't had adults uh, in their life for a long time. Uh, Some of them even from the so early age as uh, nine or 10 years. Uh, When they came to Sweden, uh, their isolation was very natural uh, and they felt uh, not integrated in the group uh, for the first because they have uh, 
problems uh, knowing if they will stay, <laughs> uh, which is very, very um, heavy for so young people. Uh, the other is uh, that they didn't have the entrance, the natural entrance in society. You know, they went to school, yes, but uh, um, as you don't speak the language, you don't have the, the ordinary life. Here in Sweden, they, you can't place them everywhere. You can place them only in family homes or in, uh, in those homes for young people that we call uh, AGB homes, uh, which are support homes, not only for refugee children, but in that case, uh, during this period where it was uh, uh, this refugee crisis, uh, it was almost always just uh, uh, refugee children uh, unaccompanied who were in those homes. So you, you can imagine their, their uh, entering a society was very, very difficult, but, uh, at the same time, we experienced that the elderly people said that uh, they had problems uh, following. The social isolation was not just because they were um, lonely, but it was also because uh, there was a lot of information. They are bombed by information from all parts of the society, and they can't follow it, actually. They can't uh, find out what it's true and what it's not, what it's fake, what it's not. And in order to do not make mistakes, they isolate themselves and rely just on to one media, maybe the newspaper that they have they always read and things like that. At the same time, we knew that those refugee children or adults for the moment, although they were not integrated in society, they were very, very aware of what was right in the news, what was not, because their life depended on that. And they were one of the groups that had the easiest to find out real news and necessary news. Right. So we saw there a possibility to get them together in order to help each other. The one with the background, the history, as the elderly people has, and the youngsters with the information, with the, the, the new system <laughs> uh, in information to the elderly, so they can be socially included. Right, the up-to-date information. Exactly. So that was the idea. And we can say uh, that now, after three and a half years, uh, we have noticed that that worked, first of all. <laughs> But at the same time, the elderly people have uh, experienced uh, a better life quality and, and health. I can tell you an anecdote uh, with, with one of the tenants. Uh, it was a lady who came to the house uh, when she was uh, 82 years. Uh, she came in an electric wheelchair. Uh, she was totally clear in the head, but uh, it wasn't so easy uh, in moving and things like that. Uh, after a month, uh, at that time, we had a lot of visitors uh, and study visits because uh, it was very interesting. It was in the beginning of Selbo. I had a study visit with uh, a pretty large group. And, you know, you're occupied with the group, so you can't follow exactly what's happening around. But uh, I noticed something that uh, didn't... It wasn't like it should be, but I didn't know what it, I couldn't point with a finger, what was it? Yeah. And you know, when I came home in the evening, I started to think what happened that was not normal during this study visit. And I realized that I, I think I have seen this lady going or rather running a little bit with small steps 
uh, and a laundry basket. Really? I said, no, it's not possible. What, what I'm thinking about, it must have been something that I just imagined. But you know, the thought didn't left me. So the day after, I knocked on the door. And who opened? The lady standing there without crutches, without the electric chair or the wheelchair, uh, which she used, all three of them. And I asked, what happened? And she said, yes, I know, it's very strange, but I feel so good. So I don't think that she actually became cured, but what happened was that she mentally felt so good that her body gave her an adrenaline shock, I think. Right. Of course, she used sometimes the electric wheelchair, but she she goes around without crunches and without the, the chair. So uh, it's a, that's an ex- one of the examples. Well, it's very interesting. As I was doing some reading before this interview, I read that initially, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I read that initially it was expected that it was the non-refugee young people that were expected to be the bridge between the refugee young people and the elderly Swedish people, and that they would bridge the age and the cultural differences that might exist. But it wasn't them, was it? No, it was the elderly. Tell our listeners what, what happened. <laughs> well, um, as you said, that we, we thought that those two initial target groups uh, uh, there was a little bit anxiety between the groups because they have never met. They have no natural uh, arena to meet. So, and, the, and the house where Selva is actually situated was during the refugee crisis uh, an uh, AGB home for uh, young refugees so with 100 young refugees in this house. And this is in an area where you have uh, mostly elderly people around. So um, by, by that, uh, it was very strange because you didn't have uh, other youngsters. First, they were young. For the second, they looked differently. For the third, they uh, spoke another language or another languages. And for the fourth, there was also the problem that, as I said, they were very troubled by uh, not knowing if they will stay or not. So, so they were awake a lot during the nights and they smoked. And you know, in those HVB homes, you have very strictly fire alarms. So they went off immediately, which meant that we had the, every second day an evacuation of the house because you have to evacuate as, uh, as the fire alarm starts to, to ring. And the, the firefighters came and they didn't came alone. They came with the other blue lights, which means the ambulances and the police. And you can imagine all those elderly people around seeing that, reading in the newspaper all about what media has written about those AGB homes, because media hasn't been so kind towards this target group. Uh, during this period, uh, right. and there were incidents in other AGB homes also, but uh, we didn't have those incidents. Uh, our incidents were with uh, with those fire alarms. But the, no matter that, they, they they thought that there were incidents. So so there was a, um, a little bit anxiety among the elderly. So we thought that if we put in well-established youngsters, uh, not necessary 
uh, with uh, a Swedish background, but uh, who has everything uh, that usual youth has and speak the language, they will be the bridge between them and uh, uh, take away this anxiety. Well, so first we didn't expect at all that this uh, target group would have problems with uh, being alone, uh, with loneliness, uh, because they're well established, they have families, they have friends, uh, uh, they work, uh, they go to school. My God, why? But uh, it, uh, it shows that uh, when we did the interview, because we did the interview with everybody who entered the house in order to have those differences uh, between every person, we realized that uh, they were as much lonely as the other two target groups, uh, if not even more, uh, which was a very, very big surprise, maybe the biggest in this project, uh, because when we asked how is that possible, then they said Today in society, we have a life that uh, it's not our own life. We have the social life uh, on social media uh, where you have to show something that you maybe are not. And a lot of times you don't dare to meet actually in real life because somebody could discover that you are not what, uh, what you have shown. A disappointment. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a curse of uh, today's society, but uh, uh, that was a problem. But we still thought, well, they can be culturally, they can be the bridge. Mm-hmm. They are not the youngsters. The two youngsters uh, groups are both very keen on socializing between the elderly and them. All three groups together, or were every young group separately with the elderly. But between them, the two young groups are never socializing alone, which is very, very strange. They're starting first now after three and a half years uh, in the house. Uh, And who are the bridges? The elderly, of course. Uh, They got a life in the house. They got a purpose. They started to find the purpose of of life again, because, you know, there is a lot of uh, ageism Mm -hmm. (laughs) in in society. And uh, um, here in Sweden, and I suppose it's uh, uh, pretty much the same in many other countries, Uh, not everywhere, but in many other countries. When you get retired, you have done your work. Now you are not a part of society in that way. You're not needed. Uh, and that's a problem because, uh, you know, people are 67 years. They are still very young in their thoughts. They need something to, to, to do. Uh, it's a very long period from 67 to 85, 86 or 90 or 100 uh, to live and not having a purpose. And you haven't, because your children has their life, everybody is so independent. So suddenly they are in a house and they are needed. They are needed to be the grandmothers, the grandfathers, but without having it as a must. They do it because they want to do it, when they want to do it, in the amount of time and effort they want to give. And suddenly you see 
oh, that's nice. They respect us. They see up to us. They look. They look at us as a as a, a source of wisdom, uh, and they start to be the ones <laughs> who connect everybody. And there is also the practical thing. They are not working, so they have all day, while the youngsters actually are at work or in school during the day, which can be a practical problem for the youngsters because. Uh, you know, the elderly people, a lot of them says uh, we would never move to Selbo if uh, it wasn't that they were young people. I don't want to just uh, socialize with elderly people. They are so old. So what they do, they are waiting for the young people. They know when they go to school. They know when they come back. So they're waiting in the lobby. <laughs> and they're... Just <laughs> jumping on them to be with them, which can be a problem if you are in a hurry to go to school or to the job, right. to take the bus, and suddenly, and they are very, very nice, those, young, those youngsters in the house, and suddenly two or three elderly people want to chat. Yeah. And they chatted and they came always very late to school. In the end, they went to the host in the house and said, we have a problem, we don't know how to do. But you have to say that you are busy. Yes, but it's not so kind because we know that they need that. So now they have used uh, themselves to that, but uh, it, was a, it was a problem in the beginning because they wanted to socialize all the time. It's so funny because in some ways it's a good problem, but it's a problem nonetheless. Have you faced any other challenges in the development in the operation of Salvo? Yes, we had a very big challenge because we started Selvo in November 2019. Right. And what happened in March 2020? COVID, of course, the pandemic. Uh, so when you have a concept which is going where the platform is that you have to socialize with your yeah. neighbors. All the togetherness, very- right? <laughs> All of a sudden, you you have to go out and say, please don't don't do that and go out with strong recommendations to don't socialize because 60% of the people living in the house are people over the age of 70, um, which meant it was a a very big risk that they uh, could get sick if they socialize. But at the same time, the togetherness area, which is 580 square meters, Mm -hmm. is something that's uh, calculated in the rent, which means that we can't say to them that they are not allowed to use it. So we couldn't close this area. We could just recommend as our authority did. But they didn't listen they continued to socialize in the beginning behind our back uh, when we are not in the house. As time uh, went on, they uh, did it even openly, but they did it with decency and with thought. So they were very, very accurate not to be uh, very near. They did it because it started in March, the weather became better. So they started to socialize in in the garden. And uh, there were some uh, of the elderly who didn't want to get out from the apartments, uh, but as all the apartment has uh, balconies, uh, they socialize uh, 
through the balconies. So they asked each other, is everything okay? Do you need something? The youngsters went out and shopped for the elderly, for those who didn't go get out. They even drove them out in the forest in order to, to be outside, but not among other people. Uh, but, you know, here in Sweden, I don't know how it was in Canada, but here in Sweden, the authorities said that, that uh, it was very good if you could find one or two uh, family members that you can socialize with in order to not be lonely. Well, the problem in Selbo was that uh, they uh, expanded the, the, the family <laughs> word. So the whole Selbo was their family. So they didn't actually socialize with their real families because they were outside the house, but they socialized with all people right. in Selbo. One large bubble. <laughs> one large bubble, uh, one society in a mini format. Those people didn't feel the pandemic uh, as other people in society did. And uh, we can say that the, the big success of Selbo, which we can now say is a success because they're still living there, they love it, uh, they, are, uh, they want to continue. We had some people that moved out because of natural reasons that came back. That's a testament to how much it's working for everybody, right? Exactly, exactly. So we can say that the, the pandemic was part of the success. Right. It wasn't uh, that we had the success uh, even if the pandemic happened. We can say that the success is maybe because of the pandemic. Interesting. Uh, it was a very, very, very important factor for, for, for the success. Uh, yes, that was one of the things, one of the challenges. Uh, but uh, um, other challenges were more in the beginning before we started Selbo. Because, okay. uh, you know, in order to, to start such a complex... Uh, Although it sounds very simple and not rocket science, uh, it's very difficult to put together. It's, it's pretty much a social experiment because you put very, very different people together. Uh, you know, people are people. Uh, you can have conflicts, uh, you can have uh, problems. And then we have also policies in which way you work, in which way you renovate. Here we have to, to, to take all those policies away and to do something totally different, uh, which was a, a very dairy from our company and from our owners, which is the municipality, to say, yes, do that, uh, because uh, nobody has done that before. And uh, there was a very big risk that uh, it could go very bad uh, so of course uh, that uh, there were challenges uh, but i think that uh, the point we have direct democracy in the house and uh, selbo although it was our idea and we build it up uh, we realized that uh, we want to put all the details with the target groups so those people who actually would probably live in the house has to be involved and we did it so everything we have in Selbo is actually uh, a dialogue with uh, the three target groups that are living in Selbo and then when we got the people living in Selbo we have direct democracy so they have monthly meeting where they discuss and decide about the togetherness area which is very important so every apartment 
has one vote, no matter how many people lives in the apartment. Okay. It's a must. You you have to be on the meeting. If you're sick or you're, you have work or things like that, then you can leave your vote to a neighbor and you have to say to the host which neighbor has your vote okay. if we are voting something on the monthly meeting, which makes uh, this uh, um, a society where they have to build it with us. It is a challenge also because, uh, you know, uh, people draw each other to, 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 to people who are alike you. It's, uh, it's natural, it's chemistry, it's, uh, it's also easier. Uh, so because of that, we have a co-host in the house and the, the work of the host is not to activate those people because the activities, they have to do it by themselves if they want. Uh, but it's more to be a facilitator, a moderator, a person who feels if uh, there is uh, a conflict coming on, emerging, and stop it before it uh, starts. You have to work with that all time. You can't leave it, uh, because if you leave it, it starts to be, we are people, we are humans, and humans uh, has their own way. (laughs) Well, before I ask you my last question, you had touched on the municipality. I'm just wondering what sort of issues did you have getting it started with the municipality? Because sometimes a government, you know, can slow things down, right? We didn't have actual problems with the municipality oh, great. Um, generally, but the problem was to accept to let us, they are our owners, so uh, they, they, they are in the board. And they are the one who says yes or no. Although it's our idea, we uh, work it off, but our company is owned by the municipality. Okay. Uh, and the problem was actually the legislation that we have, uh, the rules that we have uh, when you uh, renovate uh, a house, the rules that you have uh, when, you, uh, when people are expecting an apartment. Uh, and, you know, in order to to step on those rules uh, and do something different. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's very dairy from the politicians who were in the board to say, okay, right. So you have to have people that uh, really believe in you. Yes. Uh, and, and you have to have a good relationship uh, between the company and the municipality. And you have to have a very good management in the company who really believes in their workers. <laughs> because yeah. uh, in this situation, it wasn't possible for our management to, to, to have the hierarchic way because in sellable things happens all the time and you have to adjust it all the time. So we in the, in the project group had actually the mandate to adjust those things by ourselves. We, of course, uh, we, we, we spoke with the management, but uh, in the everyday work, uh, which is very important uh, in a project, it's very important to have the mandate to do that. Uh, in that way, I can say that uh, we had a very dairy and very open management and uh, board. Good to know. So have there been other developments in Sweden or internationally that have adopted this model? Not uh, Totally. There are a lot who are inspired by Selbo. And in Sweden, we had one that tried to do pretty much the same thing, but didn't follow all the parts of the methods. 
and it didn't succeed. That's why I said it's very complex. Uh, in order to, to, to make the success, you have to, to follow all the part of the method, that's A. And then I think that you have to have a pandemic too. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so so it's, uh, um, it's not so easy. Uh, and uh, if I have to be totally transparent, I don't know if we would uh, succeed again with the same thing. Uh, we had a little bit of luck, uh, a lot of work, uh, and a lot of... Uh, dareness among everybody so yeah lots of moving parts and the stars aligned yeah, yeah. which yeah. ultimately led to such wonderful success I would like to thank you so much for chatting with us today Dragana your work is so critically important if you would like to learn more about Salvo you can read more online at innovationhelsingborg.se we will be including the link in our show notes Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. What an incredible example of innovative thinking put into practice. Yeah, Harris, my thoughts exactly. We often hear about creative ideas for solving societal problems, but so many rarely come to fruition. Yeah, too true. And yet in this case, this fabulous social project actually not only got off the ground, but it sounds like it's really taken flight. And to the benefit of so many people. I know. It should be more of a priority here and elsewhere too. Faye Bound Alberti noted in her article, One is the Loneliest Number, the History of a Western Problem, that loneliness is lamented by politicians because it is expensive, especially for an aging population. People who are lonely are more likely to develop illnesses such as cancer, heart disease, and depression, and are 50% more likely to die prematurely than non-lowly counterparts. And I've heard that according to Johns Hopkins, socially isolated seniors have a higher chance of developing dementia too. Yes, and it's estimated that major depressive disorder, suicide, and addiction cost the U.S., listen to this, Harris, $960 billion annually. Whoa. Yeah, there truly is a societal cost in many forms. Maybe that is something the politicians will listen to. Well, I would hope so. There are also several other initiatives in the world, though, that are shining the spotlight on loneliness. Okay, do tell. Well, one of my favorites is an initiative that started in San Francisco by Tracy Ruby called Sidewalk Talk Community Listening Project, and it's spread throughout the United States and internationally. Trained volunteers sit on chairs on sidewalks in public areas and simply listen empathically to what people feel they need to talk about. So it's just a low-cost, very creative project that helps people feel less lonely. I love that. It sort of reminds me of those videos you see on Instagram sometime where people are standing there blindfolded and letting people know that they can come get a hug from them. Yeah, I know. I, I love, love that. People, I know. People obviously need it. They right? need it. They I need that, that. that human connection. Also, the Foundation for Art and Healing, founded by Dr. Jeremy Noble, offers lots of really great information on isolation and loneliness on the website. They host conferences on the topic as well, trying to help educate and inform those who are experiencing loneliness and also those who are trying to help those people. I've been on that website before. It has fabulous content. Yeah. So loneliness is a struggle in today's society. Just how are people trying to make social connections? Well, in a lot of different ways and often using technology, even though our dependence on technology has contributed to the loneliness crisis. As the U.S. Surgeon General stated, 
Technology has rapidly exacerbated the loneliness problem, with one study cited in the report finding that people who use social media for two hours or more daily were more than twice as likely to report feeling socially isolated than those who are on such apps for less than 30 minutes a day. Harris, I have to say, it's pretty easy to rack up 120 minutes on social media a day. No problem. I know, it's way too easy. Though some people do depend on technology to connect with others for various reasons, we have to be careful about how we use our technology. If we're using it to help facilitate interaction, that's okay. But if we're using it to avoid social action, that's not so great. Right. The Surgeon General posed a very important question, which was, how do we design technology that strengthens our relationships as opposed to weakening them? Mm -hmm. Noting that there really is no substitute for in-person interaction. Yeah, that's right. Having said this, there are groups out there that can help you meet people, whether it's virtually or in person, or provide companionship to help with loneliness. If you're over 75 years of age and in certain parts of the UK and Wales, there is a program called Reengage. It provides life-enhancing social connections by providing free phone calls from a call companion to people who live alone and might be lonely. Right. I've heard of that. And there's also the Silver Line Helpline, which is a free 24-hour telephone service for older people in the UK, offering friendship, conversation, and support to people 55 and up seven days a week. That's great. It reminds me of the slow lines at grocery stores. Anyone who needs to chat can do so when they're checking out their groceries without the worry of being rushed. Okay, tell me a little bit more about these slow lines, Walker. Well, I read about this about a year ago. I believe it's the Netherlands. Okay. That it may have started somewhere in Europe, um, but they're coming to North America now. So you have your regular lines at the grocery store, and then there's a slow line that's clearly identified as a slow line. Okay. So anybody checking out their grocery there can have a little chat with the cashier. The cashier knows that this is expected and that they take the time to chat with this person. And so you make the decision. Do you want to go in the slow line if you want to have a chat or yeah. not? I love that. I as know. opposed it's to self-checkout. Like yeah, that's the way it should be. <laughs> I hate self-checkout. Don't even ask me. Oh my gosh, I can't. <laughs> I'm very opinionated on self-checkout. Yeah, so okay. Maybe we should have a whole episode on self-checkout. <laughs> oh, great idea. Fascinating idea. Also in the UK, if you're a mature woman, you might want to check out the site Together Friends which is a friendship website which will help you find other women who share similar interests in the area that you live. It is similar to that of a dating service. So for an annual fee, you can connect with other women in your local area. And if you choose, you can decide to meet up and have a little social shindig. Wow, the UK is all over Yeah, it. they truly are. <laughs> I think though that there are some people can't even see their way to joining these kinds of groups. Yeah. Maybe they're battling anxiety and depression or some other kind of challenge, which makes the thought of a social event unpalatable or even frightening. Yeah, I think it can be very tough to break free of loneliness for some people. Medical and mental health support might be the best route in those cases, but there are also quite a few online groups that can provide real community, even though they're not in person. There are even, get this, Walker, mm -hmm. online choirs, and you know that's Aww. right in my wheelhouse, like the Sofa Singers. Singing Anna Sofa Harris? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty amazing. <laughs> People join in from all over the world to sing online for 45 minutes, and they even have a virtual tea break so oh, pretty much tea. perfect yeah even my own rock choir during the pandemic voices rock ensemble was virtual and though it's not quite the same as singing all together that real sense of togetherness did remain 
Just as the great Maya Angelou said, music was my refuge. I could crawl into the space between the notes and curl my back to loneliness. Boy, that's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. I know music is a great healer. So have you heard of Stitch Walker? I don't think so. What is Stitch? And it's not the little character. It's not the friend of Lilo. (laughs) Not the friend of Lilo. Stitch is a member-based community for people over 50 who are seeking companionship, but not necessarily romance. The intent is to improve the lives of older adults around the world in the face of so much social isolation and loneliness. So they offer local events, online discussions, and even some travel. Okay, so there's lots of options out there. There really is. Val Walker, a rehabilitation consultant helping those with disabilities and seniors, both of whom tend to suffer isolation, presented a comprehensive list of UK organizations who are offering help in her article titled Tackling Loneliness, Organizations Providing a Robust Response. But even if you don't live in the UK, this article will give you an idea of where you can begin your search for similar services in your area. Miss Walker has also written a book entitled 400 Friends and No One to Call, which I love. I love that title. Mm -hmm, Me too. It's described as a friendly, candid, and comforting guide for isolating times when we have no one we can count on. I haven't read it, but I've got a feeling we probably could all benefit from uh, opening that one up. I also want to mention Connect to Effect. Uh, This site offers people over 50, that's us, Harris, Mm -hmm. information regarding social isolation and how to get involved in their communities. Mm. There's an online isolation self-assessment, which is kind of interesting, Mm -hmm. and so many other resources. I cannot express how informative and helpful this website is. There's just so much there. It would be helpful for anyone really wherever you live. Wow, that's cool. Seniors, though, Walker, do seem to be the target audience of many of these services and resources, aren't they? Well, I think it might be more difficult for some people to make friends later in life. Right. You know, this is the stage when children, if you have them, have fled the nest and people retire to different locations, disrupting existing social networks. Right. So do you think it is harder to make friends just in general these days or just for seniors especially? Well, it might be. If it were easy, we wouldn't have such a problem with loneliness, perhaps. That's so true. I think a lot of people have lost relationships, too, particularly during the stress of the pandemic. Family relationships suffered under the stress of the lockdown. Those who were caring for sick or immune-compromised family members weren't able to socialize. People lost loved ones to illness. A lot of change. Yeah, there was a lot of change. And and the loss of a relationship can be truly devastating, causing real grief and sadness. The forced isolation of that period, too, dismantled so many relationships. So how do we move on? How do we meet new people and rebuild our social lives? I read that it takes two people to spend 90 hours together before they can become friends and 200 to be considered close friends. 90 hours? Who has 90 90 hours? hours? Holy moly. But I guess it does sound like a lot of time, but it's not really if you think about it in terms of work days. Right. And I imagine too that if you share things in common, you could make a stronger connection faster. Harris, you smart woman, you. I know, baby. (laughs) Not all bubbles in here. (laughs) You are onto something. According to clinical psychologist Linda Blair, she states that usually the basis of making a friend is a shared experience. Right. Do something, I think, that you like 
in a social way and that's going to connect you to more people. Mm -hmm. Take a cooking class, join an ultimate Frisbee group, whatever you want to do, whatever strikes your fancy and chances are you will likely meet someone that likes to do what you like to do. Right. For example, my son just moved to a different city and he's joined a running group of people his age to make new connections. So to find a group that shares your interests, why not check out your local community center, join your local online Facebook community group, or ask at the local place of business that caters to your activity of choice, you know, what's up? Are there clubs that you can join? Do you like pickleball? Join a local league. You like photography? Go into the local camera shop. Yeah. And then there's meetup.com. Right. I've never joined a group on Meetup, but I know it's popular and offers almost an unlimited selection of groups for people of so many interests. Mm -hmm. I think the groups can be really specific too. I think Mm -hmm. my kiddo joined one of those too. I've never attended one either, but I've heard great things about it. So volunteering as well is also a great solution for loneliness. Giving back to others not only makes you feel good, But it also allows you the opportunity to connect with other people you wouldn't otherwise meet. Mm -hmm. What I particularly like, Harris, is the fact that when you volunteer with a local nonprofit, you usually have the opportunity to meet community-minded people, often with big hearts. Mm -hmm. These tend to be safer places for the shy and perhaps more vulnerable out there. Yeah, and really being safe is key. Definitely. So do you want to hear some tips on making friends, Harris? Lay it on me, Walker. (laughs) First, it's important to build your own confidence. If you like hanging out with yourself, you're more likely to build healthy relationships with other people. Mm -hmm. We already talked about it, but do what you're passionate about. Common interests help build connections, but your happiness will be contagious too. Right. And just get out there. Just Give it a try. It's Mm -hmm. hard to make friends if you don't create the opportunity to interact with other people, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It helps to meet people in a neutral public space as well. Less pressure. Yeah. Like don't make that three hour dinner reservation where you're stuck face to face trying to make small talk, (laughs) right? That's bad. Go for a walk and a tea. Ask questions and listen. Everybody is fond of someone who's truly interested in what they have to say. Mm -hmm. And finally, don't expect too much from one person. It's a lot of pressure. It's healthier to have a variety of friends. Yeah, those are all really good tips. And there is plenty of help out there. Please do not suffer in silence. If you're lonely, reach out to your doctor. Explore beyond your front door. You will find like-minded people who might be struggling just like you are. Right. And if you do wish or need to speak with a therapist and the wait seems too long, there are always numbers to call and online services you can reach out to. Yeah, there are. And I think it's important to say, Walker, that I think we all need to try to be a little bit more observant. Let's look around more. Let's smile more Mm -hmm. at strangers. Look away from your phone. Say hello. Strike up a conversation with someone you might not expect to have anything in common with. And if you see somebody struggling or alone, just take the time, make the effort to interact with them. It will make a big difference. And if you haven't seen somebody in a while, just check in. It takes a village, Harris. We need each other. So true, Walker. So true. Thank you for joining us at At Home and Abroad with your hosts, Harrison Walker. Subscribe to follow us each week as we continue the conversation. You can also say hi to us on Instagram at at Harrison Walker. We would love to hear from you.